Welcome to Douglas Wilson's The Plodcast. Before we jump in, I wanted to alert Amazon Prime members that out now, exclusively on Amazon Prime Video, Douglas Wilson's Man Rampant. Join Doug and his guests as they have uncompromising conversations about Christianity, leadership, and masculinity. These topics are sure to get you in trouble, and they might even change your life. Sacred cows beware. Most importantly, if you do take the time to watch and you enjoy those, we would really ask that you rate and review them right there on Amazon Prime. All of the great reviews mean a lot to us. And without further ado, the podcast. So welcome to Plodcast, episode 115. Plodcast, episode 115, and so here we are. I want to talk a little bit about the new conspicuous consumption. The new conspicuous consumption. Uh, now, what is, the old, what is the old conspicuous consumption? If you, um, back in the old days, if you wanted to tell everybody you were rich, if you, if you had it and you wanted to flaunt it, what you did was you you got a, an expensive penthouse in Manhattan. You bought yourself two or three luxury automobiles. You um, flew from various businesses that you owned in a private helicopter. Um, you, you know, you do all the conspicuous consumption stuff. Your third wife wears the, um, you know, jewels the size of goose eggs. Uh, you, you, so there's conspicuous consumption, and everybody knows that's kind of ostentatious. That's kind of gaudy. That's, eh, that's not the best. That's not the best. What do I mean by the new conspicuous consumption? Well, this is rarely recognized, um, and it's not. Uh, it's not the conspicuous consumption of the hyper rich, but it is the conspicuous consumption of the upper middle class, and it's a conspicuous consumption that we can get away with because nobody notices that that's what we're doing. What do I mean? Well, um, we have had a, an explosion of uh, small breweries, small bakeries, small, um, uh, you know, uh, espresso shops where um, uh, co-op, food co-ops, and so on, where that where the bakery does not depend upon um, the the techniques of mass production, and so consequently the bread is a lot more expensive. Where you go down to the uh, food co-op, where the apples are all organically grown, um, uh, or the the meat is hormone free, free range chicken, etc. Well, whenever you go uh, into these. Um, sorts of new markets, what you wind up with is, uh, because you're buy now buying a labor-intensive product that does not depend on mass production, you, you're buying a, um, a bread full of whole grains, and you're not buying Wonder Bread. At the same time, you're paying a lot more for the bread. If you go to Whole Foods, you're paying a lot more for your Apple. If you're buying a latte in an upscale urban 
community, you're, you know, you're buying a three, $4 latte. Um, now I don't have, a, I don't have a beef against people buying, um, a latte for three or four bucks or $5 apple or sour, really expensive sourdough bread. I mean, that's fine. Uh, if you're wealthy enough to afford that sort of thing, then go right ahead. But it's really important for us to note that this is conspicuous consumption. In other words, um, people who shop, who get all their groceries at, at Walmart can't afford coffee that costs that much. They can't afford bread that costs that much. They can't afford that kind of milk. And uh, the people who are exuding virtue as they make their purchases, you know, they, uh, they're, they're, they're just being rich. They're being rich people. Um, and the fact that they're rich hippies doesn't keep them from being rich people. So the thing that I think that we ought to recognize is that this kind of thing, alternative, healthy eating, organic eating, um, um, niche coffee, um, uh, high-end, uh, high-end bread, high-end beer, high-end all of these things. It's not a high-end automobile, right? Uh, and it's not it, with gold-plated hubcaps. It's not that kind of conspicuous consumption, but it is conspicuous. And people do telegraph virtue, their own virtue, by means of shopping in these places and purchasing these sorts of items. So we just ought to make our peace with it. Okay, rich people can afford to eat more expensively. Rich people can afford to buy things like this. They can buy things that poor people cannot buy. Podcast episode 115, Hamartiology. One of the words that's used for cursing in Scripture is ara, A-R-A. We find this one use in Romans 13, 14, uh, excuse me, Romans 3, 14, and we can determine the character of this sin by the company it keeps. So if we read Romans 3, 13 through 15, this is what it says. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues, they've used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. So there it is whose mouth is full of cursing. The word cursing there is ara. There it is. There's our word ara. This kind of cursing is vile. Rottenness fills the throat. Their throat is an open sepulcher. In other words, it's a throat, throat full of dead bodies. Rottenness fills the throat. Their tongues are lying tongues, and their lips are poisonous. In addition to the cursing, their mouths are full of bitterness. The hatred displayed in their words is a hatred that is not slow to put that hatred into practice. Uh, in other words, their feet are swift to shed blood. This is the kind. This this kind of cursing is vituperation. It's slanderous. It's blasphemous. It is a railing, poisonous hatred. No Christian should ever speak or think in this way. Their mouths are full of cursing. That's not the way of Christ. That's not how we should go. God. God never so my book review um, uh, this time around is, uh, well, I'm not sure what to call it exactly. It's, I, periodically, I read, um, I'll read a business 
guru book, you know, a, a, a book on on business or marketing or, or whatever. And this one is uh, was is a book on uh, negotiation, and it's called Never Split the Difference by a gent named Chris Voss. Never split the difference. Uh, and the thing that made this um, interesting as a book on negotiating was that uh, these were techniques that were hammered out by Chris Voss as he worked in his career as an FBI hostage negotiator. So it's one thing when you're, you're manufacturing widgets and you want to sell them for $5 a widget and, and the guy who's buying them from you wants to buy them for $4 a widget. You've got, okay, that's a, that's a classic um, business negotiating problem. But what do you do and what can you learn about what you should do in the widget scenario if you are uh, part of a SWAT team outside a bank and the people hold up in the bank have told you that they want a million dollars or they'll shoot one of the tellers? Okay, so you're a hostage negotiator and you're talking to this guy on the phone. What sorts of techniques do you use? What sorts of things do you say? How do you how do you even uh, begin with this? Uh, how do you begin a relationship like this? In a book like this, you're going to have um, uh, things that you differ with and think, oh, I don't think that that's quite right, or I don't think a Christian should do that. But there's a, an awful lot of uh, common grace here. There's an awful lot of um, insight that Voss brings to the whole subject of hammering out negotiating a particular um, like a salary with your boss or a business deal with uh, a company across town or uh, your workings. This, this, this book even had um, things that are applicable in marriage. If you're working something out with your spouse, how do you, how, how do you get anywhere? Uh, one of the things he says in this book, and it was quite striking, is the, the positive impact of no on negotiating. Uh, if someone says no, if you say, hey, how about this, um, and they say no, you know exactly where you are. If you offer something and they say yes, what Voss points out in business, frequently, if someone says yes, you don't really know where you are. Sometimes people say yes. Frequently, people say yes in order to get off the phone with you. You, 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 you. Let's say you're doing a cold call, and they'll say yes as a as a nice little exit ramp for getting away from you. If someone says yes, you're not sure if that's the yes of jollying you along, or the yes of commitment. A yes on the phone, a yes in that kind of discussion is not the same thing as a signed agreement. So um, what, what Voss does, he, and he, he tells a bunch of war stories in this, um, um, uh, in this book, and some, not all of them are roaring successes. He, he talks about the, the times when, uh, when the hostage negotiation went, you know, went wrong and what went wrong and why it went wrong. So he's not, just, he's not telling stories where he's the, uh, he's the nonstop hero. But he does have a lot of experience, and he does uh, show how hostage negotiation, at the end of the day, is negotiation. So one of the things, um, one of the things that you 
can do in a negotiation is uh, ask the person who demands something of you, um, how am I supposed to do that? You know, you're, and what you're doing is you're <laughs> involving them in your dilemma. You're not saying simply no, and then you stop and then say nothing more. You say, well, I, the thing you're asking, I can't, I can't do that. How am I supposed to do that? And if you ask that question, how am I supposed to do that? They are uh, suddenly in a position of trying to help you uh, come up with a way that you could do that. And once you're doing that, you're talking. That's just a small example. This, it's, a, um, it's a very uh, interesting book, uh, very um, thought-provoking, and I think everybody who uh, reads it, listens to it, would, um, would learn something, learn something valuable. Let's go.